I am on. Okay. Um, so just want to dive a little bit deeper into the story and give you a quick snapshot of what's going on during this time. So uh, we're going to continue reading 1 Kings 19 in a moment, but uh, Queen Jezebel and King Ahab are the new rulers over the northern part of Israel during this time. Uh, and Queen Jezebel has sent her servants to kill all of the prophets of the Lord. Elijah, being the last of the prophets, makes this brave move uh, and stands up to King Ahab. So on Mount Carmel, this is what we have. We have basically a duel of the sacrifices going on. Uh, here we have King Ahab and 450 priests of Baal. They've built an altar. And then we have Elijah, and he has built an altar. And what's happening is uh, Elijah says, you know, if, if Baal's the one true God, call him down uh, call him down and bring, to bring fire to the sacrifice. And so what happens is these 450 priests from morning until night are, are cutting themselves, dancing around, doing rituals, calling out to Baal, trying to get Baal to come and, and uh, burn up the sacrifice. And here we have Elijah just sitting back, watching, and eventually he starts kind of ta taunting them like, okay, shout louder, he can't hear you, you know. And so sitting there for a while... And then eventually what happens is towards the evening when nothing has happened over here, Elijah finally gets up, tells the Israelites, you know, fill these jars, 12 jars of water, and pour it over, my sac or over the sacrifice. So basically he drenches what should be able to burn up, makes a moat of water around it, and then calls God. And what happens? So nothing over here, and God shows up, this huge fire consumes the entire sacrifice, laps up all the water, and even burns the stones. I mean, just everything gone. So then, not to be outdone, God doesn't do anything small. So after coming in this fire, he also, uh, Elijah tells Ahab, King Ahab, okay, so we've had a three-year drought, but God is going to bring a rainstorm. And so what happens? That very day, God brings a rainstorm. So not only does God show up in this fire, but he also brings a rainstorm that, uh, for this, the land that's had a three-year drought. So even after these things and after these miracles, Queen Jezebel is basically not moved. She threatens Elijah that by the very next day, she plans to have him killed. So here's Elijah, who's been the very last prophet. Now he, Queen Jezebel has threatened his life. And we find him running away, and he's doubting God and fearing for his life, even after these things that have just happened. Elijah is God's last prophet, and in his depression, he's asking God if he can just give up. He's just ready to die. He's done. So this is where we find Elijah, desperate, in 1 Kings 19. If you want to read, it's on uh, uh, 285 in your Bible in the, in the pew in front of you. And the, Lord of, and the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. And the Lord was not in the wind. 
After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord God said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. So we find Elijah here at Mount Horeb, which is also called Mount Mount Sinai. You may have heard of it. It's the same mountain where God speaks to Moses in a burning bush. And it's also the same mountain where God gives Israel the Ten Commandments. In First Kings nine, uh, nine, excuse me, in Exodus nineteen, they're the same number. Exodus nineteen sixteen through eighteen gives an account of the uh, Ten Commandments, and this is what it says right here. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning, with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. So any good Hebrew would be thinking, you know, this is how God's going to show up, just like with Moses. You know, big fire, burning bush, it's going to be uh, smoke on the mountain, you know, lightning, thunder. No, this is how God is going to show up to Elijah. However, um, yeah, he's just going to make the mountain tremble. This is where God has showed up in mighty ways. And even just previously, God has showed up, you know, in a fire consuming the sacrifice and also in a big rainstorm. And even amongst all these things that are happening, this is where we find Elijah feeling alone. And he's feeling afraid and depressed. He's doubting God. However, this time, God doesn't show up with all of the the thunder and the lightning. He shows up in a whisper. Charles Spurgeon explains it this way. And now the thunder ceased and the lightning was gone and the earth was still. The wind was hushed, and there was a dead calm. And out of the midst of the still air that came what the Hebrew calls a voice of gentle silence. As if silence had become audible, there is nothing more terrible than an awful stillness after a dread uproar. It just kind of makes me think of that eye of the storm, where all the storm is going on around you, you see it, but it's calm right there. God knew that Elijah didn't need a fire or thunder or lightning. He needed God's gentle yet powerful presence. You know, God has an interesting way of showing up, you know, just how we need him to. A few weeks ago, my parents decided to sell their house, which meant that I was standing in my childhood bedroom going through boxes that made up 37 years of my life, 
which there was a lot of crazy stuff in there. It was kind of emotional, kind of funny. You found some awkward teenage photos, which I have a lot of those, and uh, some bowling trophies. <laughs> yes. Uh, and also uh, just lots of little trinkets from growing up and some not-so-flattering report cards, too, which Justin really enjoyed reading. Uh, but amongst all that stuff was this letter that I got from my doctor in 2003. And I'm going to read it for uh, just a tidbit of this tidbit of this for you. Miss Sewell, that's my maiden name, is counseled regarding these observations and their implications from the health perspective. I tell her that the likelihood is that this is a benign nodule and that there will not be any further tr treatment required. Days before I had received this letter in 2003, I had gone to another doctor because uh, I had trouble sleeping. So didn't really think it was too big of a deal, but during that visit, uh, it was noted that my thyroid was swollen. After explaining what a thyroid was, because I had no idea what it was, I had never even heard of it before then, uh, you know, we're, I'm talking to the doctor and he says to me, you know, you don't need to worry. You're too young and you're too healthy to have cancer. Yeah, but you, I have to get tested and I have to find out just in case, you know, so... After hearing that, it was great. Um, of course, there's things you'd be nervous about, but the nurse calls me after doing all these tests, and what does she say? She says, hyperthyroid, no cancer. So at this point, you'd probably feel relieved, right? You should. You know, no cancer, that's great news. So I tell my friends, I tell my coworkers, I tell my family, but there was something inside of me that was like, I can't feel good about this yet. I can't celebrate. I, something is going on. And, and this whisper just grew louder that I needed to ask questions. And I, I, can't, I can't celebrate. It's just not time. And, you know, all these people in my life were like, well, why aren't you feeling good about this? Shouldn't you be celebrating? You know, like, this is good news, Katie. And, I mean, people were annoyed at me for not being excited about this good news. But for some reason, I just still sat with it, and I said, no, I just, I got to listen to this. Like, I'm, and, and I felt alone in my wondering, like, what if the doctor was wrong? What is going on? So uh, then, as I was reading you this letter, I went to a specialist. Uh, and as you hear from him, I'm, and he was also, I think, going, okay, calm down, you're fine, everything's going to be all right. He told me I had a 2% chance of having cancer. So these are the, the messages I'm receiving, but all this time I just felt in my heart like God was saying, keep asking questions. And so after some more testing, the cancer was finally found. And after listening to God's still small voice, I am now cancer-free 14 years later, which is great. So, thank you. But I sometimes wonder, what if I hadn't listened to that voice, that, that whisper that was placed on my heart? You know, what if I'd listened to my friends who were wanting to celebrate this good news that I had received? You know, what if I had listened to these doctors who had years of experience in medicine? And I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to doctors. Doctors are wonderful. But if you have that question you need to ask, right? You know, these whispers are a part of our daily life, but sometimes it's just hard to hear them. And why is that? 
So I have, a, I have some slides here. Uh, I have five reasons I think that we have a hard time listening to God's whispers. The first one is distracted listening. That kind of makes sense, right? Right here is where I wanted to share a story about my husband. However, instead, I'm going to share this video. So let's just take this video. Watch this video. This place is so really joy for me. This just brings back a lot of memories. What happened, Harry? Some little filly break your heart? No, it was a girl. Uh, Breda Felcher. Eh, we stay in a place just like this. Wasn't this classy, but, you know, nice. Felcher? From Cranston? Yeah, you know her? Oh, yeah! I mean, I remember you talking about her. We had the most incredibly romantic time. I thought we were going to be together forever, and then <laughs> about a week later, right out of the blue, she sends me a John Deere letter. She give you any reason? Yeah, I called her up. She gave me a bunch of crap about me not listening to her enough or something. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. But the thing that hurt the most... <laughs> Relationships, right? Okay. Yeah, anyway, distracted listening. Sometimes it's just hard to pay attention. Uh, there's two things, I think, with distracted listening. One is outward distractions. You know, life just happens sometimes, Right? We get too busy, we, you know, we're working all day, we get home, we make dinner, we clean up, maybe we're having to finish homework, work, something's going on, chores, we go to bed. It's just boom, 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 one thing after another. So busy. Um, my uh, Bisney looks like this, nine months old and likes to pull everything out of every drawer, off of every shelf. I'm pretty sure my house will never look the same. But, uh, you know, just things happen in life that just keep us so busy. The other uh, outward distraction is that I think sometimes it's, there's too much noise to quiet down. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember before cell phones. Anybody remember before cell phones? Now we have cell phones in our pockets. We, have, you know, we wear them on our hip. We have them in our purses. We have them in our hands. We're walking around everywhere with cell phones. We have music, we have computers, we have internet, we have TV. There's just so much noise all around us. And so much noise that it's just hard to be silent and to be quiet. I even this morning I was driving in and I thought, why do I have the music on? Turn it off, you know? So, I mean, it just, there's so much noise all around us. Also, uh, there are inward distractions. I think sometimes we have gotten in our own way. And this is, I think, where we pick up uh, Elijah again, you know, feeling inadequate. So Elijah has just, you know, been a part of these huge miracles, bringing down fire on, you know, God's altar, bringing the rainstorm, all these things that he has seen God do. And yet Queen Jezebel is still chasing him. And, you know, if, if Elijah can be part of these big miracles and, and that Queen Jezebel is still not listening, what else can he do, Right. He's feeling inadequate. There's nothing else he can do. I might as well just give up. And that's where he has, I think, gotten in his own way, allowing his inadequacy to kind of blind him or keep him from listening to God. Uh, pride. I think that's another inward distraction that keeps us from God. I love the prodigal son story, and not necessarily for the, you know, the, the lost son, the younger one who, you know, throws away all of his wealth, screws up and throws himself at his father's feet. But I, I really relate sometimes to the, to the older brother. Here's the older brother who has stayed at home, 
He's done everything right. He has worked hard, followed all the rules all his life. And yet, at the end of the story, you're, you're reading and you're looking, and, and he hasn't thrown himself at his father's feet. Sure, he has done everything right, he, and he's followed all the rules, but I think sometimes that pride keeps us from laying ourselves at the feet and listening to the father and what the father has to say. Uh, also, this need to forgive or to ask forgiveness is another inward distraction. You know, that bitterness or the hurt that we can carry around from these interactions that we have with people, uh, you know, that bitterness can grow, and I think it can become like a cancer in our lives. You know, if we don't cut that out, it's going to just keep growing and keep festering, and is not go- it's going to just get in the way of us listening to the Lord. The second um, reason, I think, is because sometimes I think we listen for our plan or our timeline. You know, we ask God for things, but yet we are expecting him to follow the plan that we already have, you know, prescribed in our mind, right? Uh, And this is where we find the rich young ruler in Mark 10. So he comes to Jesus and he says, how can I inherit eternal life? And I think he's thinking, yeah, I'm going to be the, the benefactor of Jesus' party. You know, I'm, all this money and wealth, I can, you know, we're going to, this is going to be great. And Jesus takes pity on him, looks at him, and he says, you need to sell all you have and give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And what does the rich young ruler do? He just, he gets sad, he's grieved, and he just walks away. He's not ready for God's plan. He was ready for the plan that he was hoping would work out. So sometimes I think just we listen and we're listening for our plan or our timeline and not laying that also at at the Father's feet. The third thing is that we try to listen alone. This uh, verse in Job 33, 14 says this, God does speak, sometimes in one way and sometimes another, even though people may not understand it. I, I like this phrase because just thinking about thinking about this, God does speak, but sometimes it's hard for us to understand. And this is where I think we need all three of these things. We need community, we need scripture, and we need prayer to be listening. We need to be, you know, sharing our stories and journeying with each other to understand the whispers that God's placing on our hearts. And also scripture, if, you know, if it doesn't follow kind of the flow of God's story, then it might not be a whisper from God. So this, this is time where we need to, just like Tim was talking about a couple weeks ago, we need to be getting in the scripture and memorizing God's word and knowing uh, the heart of God through his scripture. And then prayer, obviously, is that we need to be just praying with God and continually asking and continually, you know, asking the Lord to speak to us. The fourth reason is that sometimes... I. I just don't believe, we don't believe that God will answer our prayer or, or answer us. And so this is where I think we don't hear from the Lord. Um, I used an illustration this morning. I'm going to use it again just because I thought of it. But I, I think Abraham is a great uh, illustration for this. And uh, I just want to say, if you ever want to dig into somebody's life in the Bible, read about Abraham because he is fascinating. He screws up and screws up and screws up, and God still calls him faithful. It's great. So, um, but Abraham, God tells him, you are going to be the father of many nations. 
And yet, at a certain point in Abraham's story, he, uh, Abraham becomes afraid and decides to tell a group of men that Sarah, his wife, is just his sister. It's like crazy. You know, like, why would you even do that? Because he feared for his own life and he didn't believe that God was actually going to answer or God was actually going to follow through. He had a moment of fear. And so this is where I think sometimes this happens in our life. We get afraid and we just don't believe that God's going to answer. And I think this is also a little bit of Elijah's story. We get to a point where, you know, God's not going to answer. So I just become afraid. Uh, the fifth reason is that we don't want to act. We're listening uh, because listening requires something of us. You know, a, another great story in the Bible is the story of Jonah. So God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh, and instead, Jonah, of course, gets afraid, which happens to almost everybody in the Bible, and runs away. And instead of, um, you know, making it to Nineveh or anything, he gets eaten by a fish. So that's a good ending to the story. But, uh, you know, sometimes we don't want to act on what God is uh, calling us. It, it's not like we're sitting on the couch watching TV or we're just watching our life happen in front of us. God, when he's calling us, telling us, whispering to us, uh, listening requires us to act. So sometimes I think that's why we don't hear anything, because it requires us to act. So we don't always know how to listen for God. You know, sometimes we're focusing on all the storms that are going on around us, but we need to quiet ourselves to hear the silence. The great part about my cancer story, it's not the treatment and everything else that happened. It's that the fact that I felt God's presence all throughout, even the hard times. I felt in some way like I was in the eye of the storm. I felt that peace and that gentle presence. You know, things were going on around me. I could just, you know, it just all the chaos that comes with you know, going to the hospital, visits, and all these things. I could see the concern on my parents' faces. Uh, and also, I, funny story, but I had a guy friend who thought that he was going to have some walk-to-remember moment with me and confessed his undying love, like he thought he was going to lose me or something. And, you know, I was like, okay, not the time. Like, it was just so chaotic, all the things that were going on all around me. Um, it was just crazy. But in the midst of all the chaos, I felt at peace because I had listened to God's whisper. I knew that I wasn't alone. And Elijah, he wasn't alone. So are you focusing on the storms, on the chaos of life? Is God calling you to quiet down to let go of an answer that you want to hear, to put your trust in God, or to act on something that you've already heard or maybe that God is telling you right now. Let's quiet ourselves down and let's listen for the Lord. Dear Jesus, thank you for being with us today and for your presence that goes with us wherever we go. And Lord, we just pray that you help us to quiet ourselves down and to let go of these distractions and the things that we carry around with us. Help us to hear you whisper in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Katie.
Let's take this time as we approach the communion table to really listen for the whisper of God in our voice, in our life. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he shared a meal in the upper room with his friends. He took some bread, and after giving thanks for it, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. As often as you eat of it, do so in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took a cup of wine. He said, This is the blood of the new covenant, my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. As we eat of the bread and drink of the wine, we remember the Lord's death until he comes again. Would Jen and Chuck and Bill and Dottie please come forward to prepare the table? <laughs> 